How is everybody today? Uh, pray that you had an awesome week and you had time to think over everything I shared with you last week and the importance that it plays because it lays a foundation for everything else. And so we're going to continue building on that foundation that the very nature of God abides in us, right? And so we're going to talk about the very nature of God just to get a, a better understanding of, of his nature, of his character, so that we can basically build on top of it. Because as we go next week, we're going to be talking about a new creation with a new a, a new nature with a new creation and what that means. And we're going to dive into scripture and, and really blow the lid off of it. And you're going to see just how amazing this is and, and the difference that it makes in life. Because you're not trying to get God to do something. It's already his will. It's already his desire. So a lot of people, when they hear about praying, you're like, well, I can't command God to do something. It's probably something you've heard yourself or even thought yourself. And it's not that you're commanding God to do anything at all. You're being obedient to his word. And as you be obedient to his word and come into agreement with his word, then you begin to see some amazing things. All right. So let's go ahead and start off. I'm just going to pray real quick and then um, we'll get straight into the slides. All right. So, Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name for everybody who's on the webinar and everybody who will hear this webinar, that they will completely point to you and help make them Jesus Christ-centered in everything that they say and do that it brings glory to your kingdom, to you directly, in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. So let's go ahead and get started. I want to talk about the very nature of God this session, and we're going to follow just like last week. We'll, we'll be speaking for about 30 minutes, then we'll take a five-minute break, and then we'll continue on, um, and we'll talk about the good news of the kingdom, okay? So one of the first things I wanted to mention is that there's no partiality in God. So these are the things we're going to cover this session, that there's no partiality in him. He's a constant. He's a standard. Very easy to follow, right? He tells no lies. He doesn't lie at all. And so I'm going to prove this with scripture. We'll go through this. And something you have to understand, that God is completely trustworthy. He doesn't lie. Okay? He made healing easy. He, healing, healing made easy. Um, like we'll go over some instances in the Bible and see exactly how easy he made it. Okay? And so we're also going to talk about Satan's nature. So why are we talking about God's nature and then Satan's nature? Well, because by identifying both, he lets you know the opposite ends of the spectrum. And we see that God is good and he's always good. And he's always um, has your best interest at heart. And then you see the devil's nature, who's always bad. He doesn't have your interest at heart, right? And so we're going to be going over some of his names that we see throughout the Bible. And that's here in your manual that we outlined for you. And then we'll, we'll get into God's will. What exactly is God's will? Okay? And then we'll, we'll take a break. So let's go ahead and start off with... The very first one, there's no partiality in Christ. Okay, so you can turn to your manual. It's going to be page six. I apologize. I just realized we didn't put any page numbers on there. I'll fix that. You can re-download it later. Okay, so here we go. It's Hebrews 13. And the reason I put this in here is because I want you to see that God is consistent. He doesn't change from one moment to the next. He's revealing the consistency, the standard of his of who he is to us on a regular basis. And we see that from the Old Testament through to the New Testament and to the future, 
right? And so Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's, it's very simple. It's not complicated. You just have to believe that Jesus is the same and that he's the same living in you, right? So let's look at Romans 2.11. I'm only giving a couple examples, but there's tons of examples, you know, here in the manual. And so Romans 2.11 says, for there is no partiality with God, right? We also have Acts 10.34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality or favoritism is another word that's used there, right? Ephesians 6.9. And you, masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatenings, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. So you see, over and over I prove multiple scriptures confirming exactly what his word is. His character is that there's no partiality. He treats one the same as the rest. So this totally destroys the, the sovereignty of God aspect of um, God treats you one way and he treats another a different way. It's like, no, 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 no. He, he, he treats us according to our obedience to his word or um, – yeah, that's the best way I can put it because it's it's his nature that we're actually going against or going with. And and that's the difference. That's that's the major change, okay, or the thing that, that sets people apart. And so next thing I want to talk about is that God tells no lies, right? And so Hebrews 6, 18 says, so that by two unchangeable things, and this is one of the two unchangeable things, he says, in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the expectation. Here it says hope. Remember in scripture, if we actually look it up, hope isn't um, actually in Greek. It's expectation. Uh, hope used to mean something different, you know, about 400 years ago, 300 years ago. Now it, it, it means maybe yes, maybe no. While expectation means it's for certain. It's assured. It's, it's going to happen. So here it says, hold fast to the expectation set before us, okay? Let's look at Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not, not a man, not man, that he should lie, or the son of man, that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So when, when God makes up his mind, right, he accomplishes it, he does it. He doesn't let his words fall to the ground. Um, and we can see this in the Old Testament. You can see it in the New Testament. You can see it in your life today if you're honest with yourself. You can see just how simple this is. It's not very complicated. I'm telling you, it's extremely simple. We've made this too complicated. And when you actually just see God for who he is, it becomes so easy just to trust him, to love him, to walk with him, and, and just do life with him. Okay? So let's look at the next thing. So let's, let's talk about healing made easy, right? So we've got some examples of healing in the Old Testament. And so the first one is in Genesis 20, 17 through 18. It says, Abraham prays for Abimelech, right? Abraham was in the wrong. He lied. He told a partial truth about Sarah, right? And here, Abraham's the one who gets in trouble because Abram, at the time, his name was Abram, Abram. Abram or Abraham is in covenant with God. That's the difference. Are you in covenant with God through Christ Jesus? 
Yes, you are. So here you see, doesn't mean it's okay to be wrong, okay? Understand what I'm saying? But in this instance, all he did was pray, and it went away. The whole, his whole household was healed. So it wasn't just him, it was his whole household. Go back and look it up. You also see the same thing with Pharaoh. So I'm just giving you a few examples here. The bronze serpent, right? Talked about that a little bit last time. Um, so when the bronze serpent was lifted up, right, everybody looked at the bronze serpent, they were healed. They didn't die. How hard is that? Is that complicated? Did you have to fast and pray and repent and sackcloth and ashes and, you know, all this other stuff? No, it's very simple, right? Just look at the bronze serpent, you're healed. And so we also have Hannah, right? Hannah, she goes to the temple and she's there praying. And Eli comes out and sees her, says she must be drunk. He's like, no, I'm not drunk. I'm making a vow before God. And he tells her, okay, well, God's heard you. You'll have, you'll have a child. Your, your womb will be unbearing from this point on, right? And if you go back and read the story, you can see, what did he do? As a man of God, what did he do? He just spoke it in agreement with God into existence. And it came to pass. That's where we had Samuel, right? So First uh, Kings 13, 4, 4 and 6 says, Man of God heals King Jeroboam. So you can go back and you can read that. Very simple, not hard, right? Same thing with Elijah raising the widow's son. Um, it says that he went and laid on on the son, right? So was it was it hard? Was it complicated? No, he just did something he thought to do. And then we also have um, Elisha raises the Shunammite's son. Right, so here we see how simple this is. So this you understand when you know the very nature of God and, and who He is that He's a good God and He's the giver of life, and life naturally flows from Him and through Him. And the same thing happens when He comes and lives inside of you. Right, understand these people are doing it by trust in God alone, and the Holy Spirit would come on them at times. But they didn't have the Holy Spirit abiding in them and giving them the very nature of God. That's why it says they look forward to our day. Right? So as we go through this, you can see uh, Naaman, what happened? Naaman went to go dip himself in the river. Was that hard to do? No, it wasn't hard to do. So you can see God made healing so simple and so easy. And we make it very complicated. We make it, well, you have to do this, or you have to do that. And, and well, you need to search your heart. You need to do this. And in reality, as we've gone through, and we went into like a drug rehabilitation center, a Christian drug rehabilitation center, and there, these guys, they're, they're coming off drugs. They're coming off, you know, different addictions and to alcohol or, you know, different, you know, street drugs, even some pharmaceutical drugs. And so we went in. We didn't ask them about their history, their past, because it doesn't matter. When did Jesus ever ask about that stuff? Right? He didn't. And so we have all the examples of healing of Jesus, of, of Jesus healing people through the, the Gospels. And we want to focus on one little instance that people make it say what it doesn't even say.
they say, look, is it the is it the father's or the parent's fault? Like whose fault is it that this 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 person is born? And Jesus doesn't even he tells them no, right there. So he, that means in the conversation, and then he changes the subject. He said, "My that I may work the works of my father." Right. So when you actually look at the context and you read slowly, like we talked about, read slowly, read everything very slowly, and it makes a huge difference. So don't be in a rush to read it because if, when you read it fast, you begin to, to view scripture through the last sermon you heard. Okay? But if you meditate on the word, if you just sit and chew on the word and just say, okay, God, like, what do you mean by this? How does this apply to my life? How do I walk this out? Right? So one of the questions I've gotten um, since last week and this week is, how do I trust God? And it's it's very simple. It's very easy. You trust things around you all the time. Right? You're probably sitting down somewhere. You're not standing up like me. And you're sitting in that chair. As soon as you sat in that chair, you didn't look back and test how much weight it could take before you plopped down in that chair, did you? No, you just probably flopped down in the chair with no problem, trusting that it would hold your weight. So you can see trust is all it basically is doing is, is making a conscious decision to go in a direction. So with, with God, with Jesus, we consciously say we trust you and by obeying your word, right? We, we trust you in that we believe exactly what you say in Scripture. So that's why it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So the word faith there is trust. It means trust. It's very simple. So trust comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see this. So anytime, if we, even if we go back to Romans 10 and we dissect that, that whole section, you'll see that what we're supposed to be preaching is people you know, hey, look, this is God. This is who he is. He is trustworthy. So when you see that he's completely trustworthy, it makes all the difference in the world. Right? Because then you you can put your trust in him and you hear something else. Oh, oh, healing. That's part of my inheritance. Okay. Well, I trust in God for my healing. Provision. Oh, that's part of my inheritance. I can put my trust in God that he is provider. Right? So you can see all these little things if we break them down and we go back through what Jesus taught his disciples, we can see he taught them to rely and trust completely on God. How do I know that? Because he tells them. He tells them when he sends them out the first time and the second time, and the very last time, right before he's going to be crucified, what happens? He says, this time, take with you a purse. Take a jacket with you. Take clothes. Take a sword. Right? Because... And then he tells them, did, did you lack anything before when you went with nothing? And they said, no. So what was, he, what was the purpose? What was the, the lesson he was teaching them? He was teaching them, you can trust in God to provide for you. And this is one of the, the main things that even if we're looking at healing, we, we see the very nature of God, that he is trustworthy to be, and he's just completely worthy to be trusted. You see what I'm saying? And so this is so key. It's, it's so important that you understand that it's, it's all about trusting in him. Because when you trust in him, everything else opens up. It's the doorway. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So as we step into the fullness of him, everything opens up. But you have to understand that all it is, all it requires is trust and complete surrender. Because if we rely on our own selves, we rely on our own mind, our own like capability, then it's, it's out of our flesh, it's out of striving, it's out of the world system, right? Because it's part of the curse. We go back to Genesis 3, we look up the curse, we can see it's part of the curse to work and toil and sweat on the brow, right? But it says that Jesus became a curse for us. And as we, we begin to see his very nature, that he, is, he takes complete ownership, ultimate ownership, Extreme ownership of the situation. And he goes, I will make a way. He didn't have to. He didn't have to make a way for us. But he did. And I'm trying not to get into the next section because what we're about to get into is just, I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind about the kingdom of God and the importance of, of understanding who he is and who we are through him. So let's, let's go ahead and continue on. Let's talk about the nature of Satan. Okay. As we, we talk about the nature of God, let's talk about the nature of Satan. The nature of Satan is accuser of the brethren, adversary, um, antichrist, Beelzebub, which means the dung god, the ruler of the demons, the enemy, wicked one. And I'm giving you all the scriptural references. You can go back. There's tons more there. I just grabbed one scripture. Okay. Father of lies, tempter, murderer, liar, thief, etc. There's tons of names there talking about the devil, talking about Satan and who he is and his character and his nature, right? Because if we look at his character and his nature, then we know that if God is true, everything he says is absolute truth. Then that means that the devil, Satan, is a liar and everything he says is a complete lie. Right? As we look at the Old Testament, in order to be a, a, a true prophet of God, it means whatever you said, whatever you prophesied, had to come to pass. And if it didn't come to pass, even once or halfway comes to pass, you were stoned to death for being a false prophet. Thank God we don't have that today. We wouldn't have many ministers, right? I mean, not to knock on anybody. I'm just saying, thank God for his grace. But if we look at it for, for what it is, why is, why did God have that established? Because he was saying that these people were liars and they were actually, the, their father is the devil. Just like Jesus told the Pharisees. Right? Do you see this? So he's saying, this is your nature. This is who you are. Because if it was God, it would be 100% of the time, 100% right, 100% accurate every single time. Right? Do you, do, you, do you see the two contrasts? So if God's word tells you something and a thought comes into your mind contradicting that thing, then you know the second thought is a lie because the word of God is absolute truth. Right? So I've heard it um, some from, from friends from some friends that the first thought you have is, is God talking to you, right? The second thought you have is you. Was that really God, right? And then the, the last thought is the devil saying, no, 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 that was you. Because he wants to talk you out of 
what God's saying, what, what he's, he's telling you. And that's not always the case. A lot of times we do a good job on our own, just being honest. But when we look at his very nature, we see that his nature is true. And when he speaks to us, we know his voice. And when we look at the kingdom of God and, and what it means and, and how this all comes together in that the kingdom of God resides in us and is by him, is by Jesus Christ. He abides in us. He is our kingdom. I'm telling you, it's so hard not to go into this. And so when we see exactly the devil's nature, then we know that he rules his kingdom by what? By lying, by tempting, by murdering, right? By, by stealing, by destroying, by accusing the brethren of what he's guilty of, right? He's against Christ, anti-Christ. He's against Christ. He's, he's the dung God, the wicked one. We can see all these different things because that's who the devil is. He can't help but be that person. He's no longer in the presence of God. Therefore, he no longer has the, the nature of God, the character of God. Do you see this? So when we focus on the, the very nature of God and we see God for who he is, we truly see for who he is. Because you have to understand, that's what Jesus came and did. He came and said, this is who God really is. God is good. His requirements are good. His law is just and perfect and, and righteous. However, it doesn't make anybody righteous. It's faith. It's trust in Jesus Christ. You don't believe me? Look at Galatians 2.20. It's exactly what it says there, 20. Uh, 21. So you can see um, between 15 and 21, we're going over it today in discipleship. So that's why it's, it's fresh in the mind. So when you when you look at this and you begin to see exactly what he's saying in the very nature that he's 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 given to us, made us partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? What is he talking about? What is the fruit of the spirit? Right? And we begin to understand. Hey, when I go to pray for somebody. It's not me. It's not me trying to perform or trying to obtain or trying to do anything except let the very nature of God flow from me. Right? Because when you think about rivers of, moving, rivers of living water, moving water, flowing water, right? Is it easy to stop it up? No. It's not. It's gushing. It's flowing. But what do we do? We think that because Jesus comes and he lives inside of us, that we taint him, that we stop him from flowing, which goes explicitly against what the scripture says. The only way he stopped Jesus or the nature of God from flowing is by trying to do it out of your flesh. Because it says, no flesh will glory in the presence of God. Right? So you have to transition out of the carnality into the spirit by simply trusting him. And so when you read like Mark 16 or, or uh, Matthew 28 or, or different portions where it says, go lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. See, the thing is, is when people are confronted with these different things, they think in their mind immediately, how do I make this happen? How do I do this? Instead of saying, well, you told me to go. I'm, I'm going to go be obedient because I, I know your nature is true and your nature is going to flow out of me with effortlessly. 
right? So it's not you trying to perform and trying to make something happen. It just naturally flows from you and it hits the person. So I can tell you, being in prayer lines, you see 20, 30 people. I can start at the beginning, start praying for people. They're getting instantly healed one after another. I get to somebody, nothing. What happens? I'm, I'm just being honest with you here. Is if I take a step back and I get my confidence off of the fact that I've seen all these people healed before, because you, if you're not careful, it's very subtle. It comes in, it sneaks in. Oh, look, 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 I saw these people healed. This one's going to be easy. Right? So then I start putting confidence in myself and my flesh instead of in his spirit, in who he is, his nature. So when I step back, realign my focus back on his nature, and I step up again and I pray, they're instantly healed. Every single time I've seen this. And then you end up praying for everybody. And that's why we've seen 100% healing so, so often and so effortlessly because it's not our effort. If that's why his burden is easy and his yoke is light, because it's not anything we have to do to, to make it happen. It naturally flows out of who he is. God is healer. Do you see this? It's amazing. This is good news, guys. This is amazing news. Because it, 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 it gets you out of, well, I have to perform. I have to do this. I have to do that. And you can begin to trust in his nature and who he is. And you truly come into fellowship with him because you see him for who he is and not what you can get out of him. And this is what makes all the difference. Because you can truly enter into fellowship out of a mutual love and respect and, and adoration and, and just honor and obedience. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. So let's talk about God's will for a second. I know we're running a little low on time now, but if you go back and you look at it, I, I give you plenty of scriptures in the next several pages that make all the difference in the world because Jesus is our example. He's our role model, right? I know I skipped over a section, and we'll, we'll talk about that at a different time. But a little further down, you can see, even with the leper, Jesus told them, he goes, he goes, I know you can heal, but is it your will? It's basically what the leper is telling Jesus. And Jesus says, I will. And if you go back to the Greek and you see what he's actually saying, he goes, I will and I always will. It's it's who I am. It's, this is my nature. This I can't be anything else. Right? So you see the, the importance of this and and why it's it's key because you begin to see exactly who God is. What is healing? Let me ask you that question. What is healing? Healing is returning something to a state of being whole, right? Does God want you whole? Yes, he does. Or why would he be healer? Why would he entrust to us the ministry of reconciliation? Why do you understand that the word salvation, to save, in Greek, sozo, solitero, all mean to make whole. Did you know that? 
if we break it down to the root word, you see all it means is to make whole. It's the exact same word as shalom in the in the, the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew. So it doesn't mean peace. No, 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 no. It means to make completely whole, that you don't need anything from outside because you're whole. So is how is healing part of his plan? Well, if you're whole, then you're not lacking anything, right? You're not lacking anything at all. So it's, it's very key. It's very important that you begin to see that when it says save, when it says heal, and I, I show you here in the manual, we can look at the, the woman with the issue of blood, right? In Matthew 9, 22, is that she was made, it says, your, your faith, your trust has made you well, right? She went and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Well, the word well there, because it continues on, it says, and instantly the woman was made well. The, the word well there is sozo. Okay? It's also in Mark 5.34, Luke 4, I mean Luke 8.48. And then we also see blind Bartimaeus in, in Mark 10.52. And it says, and your trust has made you well. And we can continue on, and you can see it's not just that. We also find it in Acts. We also find it uh, when when Jesus uh, when Lazarus was raised, he will recover. He's saying he will be made whole. That's what he's saying, right? Or or Mark six fifty six that the entire multitude was touched and were made saved whole, well, right? So when we actually look at this for what it's saying, and we can find other instances where it's actually talking about um, saved. Uh, we can go a little further down and we can see. Um, when we go up, you can see that in Matthew 1.21, Matthew 8.25, Matthew 10.22, Mark 3.4, Right, Luke 6, 9, Acts 4, 12, all say saved. And it's the exact Greek word. So what's my point? My point is that God wants you whole. He wants you, he wants you well. He wants you prosperous. He, all, he wants all these things. He wants peace. He wants joy. He, because he gives you joy by the Holy Spirit. He gives you peace, not as the world gives to you. You see, all these things are in him. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. Anytime you get out of peace, anytime you get out of, of, of joy and, and all these different things, you're stepping outside of God and his plan for you. But I'm telling you, by walking out his will, because you know his will, because we can look at Jesus, because Jesus says, I do the will of my Father. My bread is to do the will of my Father. I do what he does. I say what he says. Right? And I give you all these scriptures here in the manual because I want you to go over each and every one of them. I want you to, to chew on it. I want you to look at its context and, and put yourself in that situation. And everything that, that God is saying and, and what he's doing and what he's showing as his will, it's so key. It's so important. Well, God will heal one. He'll, he won't heal another one. That's a lie. We've gone through that. In the last session, right, we went through how Jesus, he healed them all. I gave you three different accounts on most of them where he healed them all. Doesn't say he passed over anybody. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Doesn't pass over anybody. 
The only ones he passed, no, we're not going to go there. He's not going to pass over you. All you have to do is trust. And we shouldn't be passing over people either. Right? Because we carry the very nature of God. We, we carry the very love of God. We carry the very protective nature of him, the justness of him. And we can find it all in scripture. It's all here. When we look at his nature, it's all here. And that's what's exciting. That's what that's what gets me excited. Because as I go back and I look at this more and more, we look at his justice and who he is and, and how we are to walk out justice ourselves. Because that's what the word righteousness means. It means justice. It translated justice in every other place around the world. Spanish, Portuguese, in, in Italy, Italian, in, in German. It's all translated justice, but only in English is it translated righteousness. You ever thought of, I'm, I'm telling you, when you actually go back and see what it says and what, is, what Jesus is communicating, he says that he's, he's, he's here to rebuke the world of what? Sin. Right? It says the word convict, but it's actually the word, same word used in, in Timothy later on, that the word of God is used for reprove, rebuke, right? Sorry, it's the word reprove. And so it says he's to reprove the world of sin. Of, of righteousness, which is actually justice, and of, and of judgment, right? And he explains it out in, in John 16. When you go back and you just look at simply what God is saying, what Jesus is saying in, in our job, in our obedience to him, in his commandments, which are so much simpler, it's just two, right? And then everything comes as, as the fruit of the nature of who we are in the kingdom. So we're going to get into the kingdom here in a, here in a bit, and I hope this is, is help you. It's, I hope it's causing a paradigm shift, so you can see it's it's not something that you have to do. It's something we get to participate in. It's something we get to be with God in and and walk with Him and see just how beautiful His nature is and who He is and, and everything. Because I can tell you, as I've walked with God and and I've stepped out of places and seen everybody healed and people getting up from wheelchairs and and paralytics gaining their full movement back and, and blind eyes open and ear, deaf ears open. I'm telling you, I begin to see a whole new side of God and that he's not a respecter of persons. He loves each and every one of you just the same. So if you're sick, all you have to do is say, God, I trust you. I trust that you're healing. Let him heal you. You don't need me to lay hands on you. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. When you can go straight to the source. And that's why I shared the testimony with you last week. This is what we need to get to. Is it wrong to tell somebody? No, it's not wrong to tell somebody. If you're if you're in trouble, if you're in pain and you need backup, call somebody who can pray the prayer of faith. People call me all the time. And I'm, I'm not condemning you in any way. Understand my heart. My heart is... I'm here if you need me, but the primary source is him because that's who I go to. That's who I trust. Not my own flesh. Not who I am, but who he is. Because he's faithful 100% of the time. All right. So we're going to take a small break. I know it's kind of hard to. Um, but we'll take a, a five-minute break, and we'll be back here in a bit.
All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get started again. Just doing a little transitioning here. And so this next session I want to share with you is explicitly about the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom. And so some of it I was already starting to get into a little bit, and I hope you understand. Like it, it's, it's something to get excited about. And as the more as you dive into the understanding and how simple this is, it's, it's very simple. Jesus made everything that was so complicated very simple, very easy to understand. And so this next session is the good news of the kingdom. And so we're going to go ahead and start. I hope you have your Bibles. We're going to deviate from the manual a bit. Uh, these are two session sections I'm going to be adding into the manual, so we are going to be updating it. We are going to be adding uh, page numbers to it. And so this section is is very important, you know, and because this was the message that Jesus preached. Okay, he taught his disciples the very nature of God, but what he preached is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so that's what we're going to dive into right now. Okay, so if you... And turn your Bibles to Matthew 4, verse 17. I'm going to show you the very first instance um, where it comes up about Jesus preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Which also means the kingdom of God is now, or the kingdom of God is near. And so just uh, message me that you're there when you got it. Um, I'm looking over here at the screen. So... So let me know if you got it, okay? We got one person who's got it. Yep. Matthew 4, 17. And it says, from that, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, which means to change your mind, okay? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's, let's, let's break this apart a little bit and... We'll, we'll start bringing in some of the things we've already discussed and how this actually applies. Okay, so repent first means it's, it's a word metano. So we get metamorphosis. Meta means to change, to transition, right? Um, so it means to change, and then no means mind, your intellect, your thought life, your paradigm. So it's to change your mind, change your paradigm, change how you think of these things. And it's, it that has nothing to do with, with um, feeling sorry or anything like that. It means to change their, your mind because if you change your mind, you change your direction. Because okay? what modern-day meaning of repentance is, is it's built around penance or, um, yeah, I think it's the word penance, where it's, well, I feel sorry. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ball and I'm gonna cry. Um, if you mess up, do you feel sorry? Yeah, yeah, it happens. But you truly show repentance by turning from it and never doing it again, right? Because the biblical definition is different from our Webster dictionary definition that you can look up on the internet right now. But if you look at the etymology, you begin to see what it actually means if you get past the Latin. Because the etymology most of the time only goes to Latin and Latin it. it it tells you it derives from the word penance. So you can see it's, well, if you feel sorry, if you, you know, you cry, you bawl, or whatever, that, that means you repent. No, 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 that means you're sorry. 
when you change your mind, change directions, that means you repent. Okay? And so you can see the rest of this. It says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is in the air. So this is what Jesus is preaching. This is what he told his disciples to preach. You can go through through scripture in the gospels. And so we're going to, I want to hover around the gospels. I want you to, to make it a, your objective over the next few weeks just to go through the gospels, read them. I suggest getting a, a Harmony of the Gospels Bible, maybe a Nassab or an ESV or, or something of that nature where you can read through cross-reference to the different passages. You can, you can see the whole context of what's going on in that scene. It's like cutting to different cameras, right? <laughs> and so um, when we look at the different scenes, then we, it kind of gives us the whole picture. We can see it for what it is. And so um, when we go through the scriptures, we will find that Jesus told his disciples, lay hands on the sick, right? But declare to them, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we're so let's go back and let's talk about two kingdoms again, okay? So we have the kingdom of light and we have the kingdom of darkness, one hand or the other, right? And so the kingdom of light is what? In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, is there any sickness? No. Is there any lie? No. Is there any depression? Is there any lies? Is there any, you know, all these things? It's no, 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 no. But all the promises of God are yes and amen, right? And then we have the other side where it's kingdom of darkness. Kingdom of darkness, is there sickness? Yes. Is there depravity? Yes. Is there shame? Yes. Is there decay? Yes. You know, is there disease? Yes. Is there is there lack? Is there scarcity? Yes. All these things are yes. Is there depression? Yes. Is there sadness and and all this, these other things? Yes. It's all there in the kingdom of darkness. But if but if we go back to Colossians, the first chapter, it says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? So we're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but we've been brought into his light. So this hadn't happened yet because it happens through Jesus Christ, right? So he's going, he's preaching, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he laid hands on them and they were made whole. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he cast demons out of people. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And he raised the dead. See how simple this is? How easy this is? But the problem is, is as Christians, we try to operate in the kingdom of light as if we're living by the rules of the kingdom of darkness. Because in our minds, because we're still here on earth, we still operate from the kingdom of darkness. And that's not true. Have you been translated or have you been translated? Have you, have you been brought into the kingdom of life? If you're a believer, the answer is yes. And if we, if, we are honest, if we are completely honest with ourselves, you can see that we're allowing the devil to rob our inheritance, our inheritance from the kingdom of light because we're still trying to operate out of the kingdom of darkness. Well, when Jesus says, this is how you should operate, from the kingdom of light, 
bring the light into the darkness, and it dispels darkness. It destroys the kingdom of darkness. How do I know that? Because Jesus says, I am light. And a few chapters later, in every instance, he says, you are light. Hmm. Interesting. Right? So when you begin to understand exactly what, what God is saying, what, he, what he's imparted in us by his precious Holy Spirit, the great promise. He put light in us. He's brought us into his kingdom. He didn't just bring us into his kingdom. He put his very, his very nature in us by Jesus Christ, by his precious Holy Spirit. And this is why this is so key. This is why this opens up into a new nature, a new creation, because we're the only creation that's ever existed that carries the very heart and nature of God, the very spirit of God. Look it up. I'm telling you. This is what makes us a new creation. And as we go through this, I'm telling you, it, it, it's completely changed my mindset. It can change, completely changed how I'm, I'm doing things. And it's, it's got actually taken me to a place where I'm like, okay, God, like this is all new ground. I, I don't know anybody who's sharing these kinds of insights and, and things about the kingdom on, on, on finances from the kingdom perspective, not from worldly toiling, right? They say they're giving aspects of the kingdom. For instance, I was listening to a gentleman, and he was talking about sowing, 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 so you can reap, 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 reap. Is sowing and reaping in the kingdom of God? Yes, it is. But sowing and reaping from the kingdom of darkness has no impact in sowing and reaping in the kingdom of God. Thank God. It's called grace, right? Because in the kingdom of darkness, we've seen people who have smoked all their life, had lung cancer, completely healed as they encountered the kingdom of life. Thank God for crop failure, because in kingdom of light, none of the, none of the stuff we sowed in kingdom of darkness has any impact. That's why the, the the slate is wiped clean. You're starting over, because you have a new nature. You're born anew, right? In the new kingdom. This is good news, because God didn't just say, "I'm going to wipe away your sin," and then leave us there. Because if he would have left us there, then the devil, all he had to do was make us fall again, just like he did Adam and Eve. The guy goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to put my very nature in them. So their heart is a new heart. And they have a new spirit because their spirit's connected with my spirit. Right? How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who's joined to the Lord is become one spirit with him. Do you see this? So when we see the kingdoms, we can see that light always diminishes darkness. It always triumphs over darkness. It always wins. Always. How do you operate in the kingdom of light? Complete trust in him. Complete trust. That's all he requires. It's all that he asks for is complete trust. 
Don't lean on to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust in him. He is a good God. And this is the way the kingdom operates. This is how everything unfolds. So if you, being earthly, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much your heavenly father? Who said that? Jesus. He was teaching his disciples that God is good. He's completely good. Because to say there's a little bit of bad in him is means that he's not good at all. You understand? Because he's absolute. He's not partial. We covered that. He's absolute. He's completely good. So we stay in him. We get to abide in the kingdom. We get to fellowship with him. He doesn't want to use us like robots. He wants to walk with us in fellowship. It's one of the terms that I, I, I've come to loathe that people use on a regular basis is that God wants to use you. No, he doesn't. He wants to walk with you. You won't find a scripture anywhere in the New Testament where it says that God wants to use you. It's poor terminology. So we think, oh, yeah, God's using me to do this. It's like, what are you? You don't have a brain. You don't have a will. You don't have a choice. Well, then you might as well be a robot, right? When we see that he, desire, he desires fellowship, he desires to walk with you, then it changes everything. Because then now you're cooperating with him, you're walking with him, and then so even when we go back and we break apart the word paraclete, what it's talking about, the Holy Spirit, it means to come alongside and help. We automatically think, oh, he's here to empower us to do what, what, what God wants us to do, but he's just a tool. No. He is a person. He feels. Or else how can you grieve him? How can you quench him? Right? You ever quench the conversation with, with somebody you're in fellowship with? I have. Not proud of it. Might even do it in the future, but the whole thing is, is it's 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 relationship, it's fellowship with him that makes the difference. Do you see this? It's walking with God. The Holy Spirit tells you about Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Word. He lets you know things that you don't know. He gives you insights. And all it is is trust. This is the kingdom. This is how the kingdom operates. All you have to do is trust in him. Sow into his kingdom. So for instance, going back to so, 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 to get, 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 it's abusing the kingdom of God for self-gain because I'm sowing to get it. I'm sowing to get something from the kingdom. Instead of abiding in the kingdom, and what naturally happens is there's just this constant flow of abundance that we see in Deuteronomy because it's his, you, you have to understand, God doesn't see spillage. He doesn't see um, waste or anything. He sees overabundance. 
so much that we're supposed to give it out. Right? We're not called to be a dam. We're called to be a river. Rivers of living water flow from, from us, right? So what are we supposed to use all this wealth is emotionally, physically, you know, everything. It's for advancing the kingdom of God with Christ Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. It's not complicated. So as we trust him, we say, God, yes, I'm going to sow. But I'm going to sow not because I, I desire to read, because I love to sow. Right? How do I know that? Because it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Right? 2 Corinthians 9. He loves a cheerful giver. Somebody who gives freely out of their own will. Look at it. It doesn't say out of obligation. In fact, it says not under compunction. Not under obligation. But out of the free will, whatever they decide in their heart, they give. You see this. This is how the kingdom operates. The kingdom is of constant abundance and overflow. And all you have to do is plug in and tap into it and believe and trust in him. And he's a rewarder of those who do so. This is how his kingdom works. So am I saying that everybody should quit their job and not work it out? No, because that's your mission field. God has you exactly where you're at for a reason, for a purpose. And you need to begin to see it through the lens of God has me here to impact everybody around me. God has me here for certain people, for certain relationships. Do you understand? You're, you're sent into this world, but you're not of this world. Being born again, you're in the kingdom of light. You operate from the kingdom of light because you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You represent him to people in the kingdom of darkness to free them from captivity. I know you heard this, but this is a kingdom of darkness, kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light situation. This is how it operates. This is how it works. We take light and we bring it into darkness and it dispels and it dissipates and it gets rid of darkness and we bring light. And we bring them over into the kingdom of light. We disciple, we teach, we train. They become light. Because the longer they're around, the presence of God, the nature of God, the character of God, what happens? You take on that character, you take on that nature, you take on that counsel, that wisdom, that understanding. That paradigm. So how do you have the mind of Christ? This is a kingdom principle. How do you get the mind of Christ? Is it earned? Can you meditate and memorize all of scripture and still miss the mind of Christ? Yes, you can. It's not earned. It's given. It says we have the mind of Christ. His intellect. His thought patterns, how he perceived and, and, and processed information, we now have that. How? By his Holy Spirit. This is kingdom principle. But the, the world in, in churchianity 
And other things will tell you, no, 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 you have to, to ingrain these things into your mind. You gotta, you gotta keep saying them over and over until you visualize. And then, then that visualization, visualization becomes a reality. It's like, no, 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 that's not the way the kingdom works. Kingdom is, hey, a promise comes to light. You look at the promise, oh, it's a promise of God, it's mine. Thank you. Father, I trust you to fulfill your promise. Boom. Happens. It's that simple. Oh, healing. Healing's mine. Yeah, that's right. It says right here, by his stripes, I am healed. Well, he bore the stripes, therefore I must be healed. Father, I trust you. It's done. Boom. You see how simple this is? There's no buts. Get the butts out of your head. There's no butts. It's either you're in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. Which one are you going to be in? Which one are you going to abide in? God doesn't want you in his kingdom holding on to something from the kingdom of darkness like sickness or lack or anything else because you're in his kingdom. Then you need to operate from his kingdom, from his economy, from his Healthcare plan. Right? And all it requires is what? Trust. That's all it is. Surrender. Because our minds, a carnal mind, the worldly mind, remember we have the mind of Christ now, the worldly mind <laughs> wants to step in and say, no, 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 that's not the way things work. This isn't how this happens. There's, you know, you've got to do this, you got to do that. It's do, 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 instead of trust, 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 trust. Now, what I want to steer you away from is two things. One, number one is saying you're trusting when you're just hoping. Well, maybe it happened, maybe it won't happen. No, no, no. If you're going to trust, trust God. If you're not, then, then you're going to lean on a crutch, like, I don't know, something over here on the side, until you can learn to trust God. This is the key. You need to trust God. This is where he preached. This is where everywhere he went. He, he demonstrated the kingdom because it was out of his relationship with God, his trust in God, that he saw everything around him come to pass. And those who came to him, who had trust in him, he told them what? Your trust has made you whole. You see this? It's so simple. It's so amazing. Well, I need a job. Well, trust him. God, you said you provide all my needs. So I thank you right now for my job. And anytime your mind tries to go against it, because this is what it is. The devil tries to say, oh, what about those bills? Those bills you got to pay. What about, what about these things that are creeping up and, and are going to happen? See, now you're going to be in trouble. This is going to happen. And, and all it's going to lead to this catastrophic Events because all the dominoes are falling. It's like, no, 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 no. My hope, my expectation, that's what I meant to say, my expectation is in the Lord. My trust is in Him. He never fails. See, I'm I consider myself lucky because I get to sow my time, I get to sow my finances. I get to sell everything into the kingdom on a regular basis. 
sometimes 90, sometimes 100% on a regular basis because I see the value in the kingdom over everything else. And so when we go back and we look at exactly how this works, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's go back to the mind, okay? So the, what the, the normal mind wants to do is worry about all these things, and you have to counteract that by reminding yourself of what his word says, okay? So it's not saying his word to get it into you over and over and over and over, and then you just memorize things, and it becomes a letter that kills instead of a spirit that brings life. Do you see this? So you'll end up memorizing a lot of scripture very easily because you realize that's your promise, and God doesn't fail in any of his promises. He accomplishes them. They're, they don't return to him, boy. So you just got to trust him and say, God, you're the promise keeper. The devil is a, the promise breaker. Right? God is a promise keeper. He keeps all his promises. He pays all his debts. He even took our debts of sin, and he nailed it to the cross for us. With all its ordinances. So it has no bearing on our life today because we're in the kingdom of light. Do you see this? I'm telling you, just talking about it, you get pumped, you get excited because there's so much here, there's so much richness to his kingdom that surpasses all understanding. The mind, the carnal mind just explodes because you begin to realize light dwells in me. Light is power, more powerful than any, any anything external. So when I lay hands, I'm not trying to heal the person. I'm letting the very nature of God flow through me and hit the person, and it results in what? It results in healing 100% of the time, even if it takes a little bit of time to happen. Time's not important. Life is. And we've been sold the lie from a fallen, decrepit uh, kingdom of darkness saying it's all about time, 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 time. Well, you, we, we run everything by, by time. Well, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that, right? So I'm cutting all these different things out. And we always cut out God whenever it does happen instead of running to him and relying on him and saying, look, I need you to multiply my time. We can look at the Old Testament. He multiplied time. He did. So we need more time. Well, who do you go to? You go to God. You don't go to the devil and his system. So when, you, when the blinders come off and you begin to realize exactly what the kingdom of darkness is and exactly what the, we have in the kingdom of light, we realize, I'm telling you, I've been getting the epiphany, the understanding, the revelation that the kingdom of light, we barely even tap into. We're barely even realizing that we're king, we're, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And how simple it is to say, Father, you know what? Let me write this on my hand. This is what I need. I believe that you're the president of the bank of heaven, and I thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And that's it. There was a guy who actually did it, Robert Tom out of South Africa. His family told me he did it every time he needed something, 
and it would show up within a week because he what? He trusted God. Above everything else, he trusted God. So you have to decide what kingdom are you going to trust? What kingdom are you going to put your trust in? You put your trust in the kingdom of light, or you put your trust in the kingdom of darkness. But as a believer, as a believer, you should lean 100% of the time toward the kingdom of light because that's the kingdom you abide in. You see how important this is, the understanding. This flesh cannot darken God. He's greater than that. It's so important that we see God for who he is. His nature. That's why it's the building block. Because the nature of the king is how he rules his kingdom. He's not going to rule his kingdom contrary to his own nature. And who he is. And his character. That's the way a king rules. They rule out of the very nature of who they are. And so when we look at just the simplicity of that, excuse me, the simplicity of that, we begin to see just how Jesus is, who he is. We look at his nature. So we go to Hebrews 3, uh, Hebrews verse, chapter 1, verse 3, in that he carries the exact imprint. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. Not partial nature, not part of his nature, because he's not partial. There's no partiality in him. But his, his very nature, his whole nature, is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus lives in you. Jesus, the healer, who healed him 100% of the time, we can see in Acts 10.38 even, how God anointed Jesus from Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He healed them all. That's what it says. Not some. Not partial, all, because that's who he is. He can't act contrary to the nature of himself. So when you understand that he is our king, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So even the ones who are in the darkness and they think they're going to operate in darkness and stay hidden as light, when we come into the situation, what happens? We expose darkness and it has to flee, it has to run away. Or it gets exposed and it gets dealt with. We execute justice. We can see that in our government right now. Light's starting to come in. Darkness is having going chaotic. So you see how this works and how we're, it says, let, let's go to Matthew 6 very quickly. Because I want you to understand, this is what Jesus was even teaching his disciples. This is how you pray. You need to pray. That the kingdom of God, and it's a verse 9, starting in verse 9, right? He tells them how to pray. And so I'm trying try not to get into different topics because yet it's very easy to do so. Because it's when you understand his nature, you understand it's not all about healing. That's just a part of it. God cares about every aspect of your life. You know? And so when we look at this, we can read read through giving to the needy in chapter 6. And then we get to the Lord's Prayer. 
And he's given us specific instructions on how to pray. And we can back up a little bit, a couple of verses. It says, when you pray, do not be, do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I've caught a lot of people in church doing that. They pray these long, religious, beautiful prayers, hoping that God's going to answer something that they say. Instead of just trusting him for who he is. And we'll get to that in a second. So here, verse 8, it says, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. He already knows what you need. So just thank him for it. And we'll get to that in a second. I promise I'll go there. It says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we actually break down that one verse by itself. You begin to see that we're saying that he's telling his disciples to pray. He's telling us to pray. Let's bring the will of God, his kingdom, to the earth. Let it be done like it's done in heaven. And this is it's monumental. It means it, it's a lot. There's a lot here. We can dive into. We can dig out. And we can see exactly what he's saying. Right? And like I said, we'll, we'll get into that. But let's go to 1 John. I promised you to go here. 1 John 5. We're going to start in verse 13. So it's 1 John 5, 13. Yep, you got it. Thank you. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's you, right? And if you don't, then just message us, private message us, and we'll, we'll make sure that changes pretty quick. He says, believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What is his will? We've gone over it. His will is that we're whole. His will that we're a light in, in this dark world, that we go and we, we free captives and, and we kill the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead, right? This is his will, that we love. I didn't even begin to get into that. That we love God, we love our neighbor as ourselves, which is a two-part thing. A lot of times we overlook that very easily because we automatically assume that we know how to love ourselves according to the way God wants us to love. Right? So we'll, we'll, if we have a little time, we'll go into that in a second. So right now, let's, let's go back to here. It says, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request, and the word there is actually request effects or effects of the request, which is an answer. So we know that we have the answers that we have asked of him. Right? So we have this confidence towards God that as soon as we say something, we know he hears us and we immediately have it. What does that sound like? It sounds like Mark 11, 24. But I tell you that it, it will be more tolerable. Oh, sorry. 
Mark, not Matthew. <laughs> I was like, no, no, that doesn't sound right. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And I always like going over to Philippians 4 as well. Philippians 4, 6. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your answers, it doesn't say request there, it's the same word, request effects. Let your answers be made known to God. So you begin to thank God. And it comes to pass. See, because I can tell you, um, there's there was a time when, when God told me, "Can you believe me for a thousand dollars a week?" And I was I was self-employed. I didn't have a business, um, like um, a front uh, a storefront. There you go. I didn't have a storefront or anything. I was just doing. I was working for myself. I was repairing the electronics, the game systems. The cell phones, tablets, all kinds of stuff like that, and and so for me to make a thousand dollars where I was, it's in South Texas where everybody and their mom is doing repairs and, and different things for very cheap. You know, I was like, God, I'll have to work like double. I'd have to work eighty hours a week, easy, to to see a thousand dollars a week. But I decided, I was like, God, I trust you. If you're if you're telling me to believe for a thousand dollars a week. Well, you own everything, so I'm just going to trust you. And then I just kept thanking him. Anytime my mind would try to wander to, to the situation or where I was at, I just started thanking him for $1,000 a week. And then about a month later, he ups it three times the amount. He says, can you, can you trust me for 3000 a week? And I'm like, Lord, I haven't seen the first amount. So you want me to trust you for the second amount? Well, you're God. You own a cattle on a thousand hills. All you have to do is sell one of your cows. Right, throw some bricks of gold this way because it says the gold and the silver they're all his. And so I'm like, well, okay, well then I trust you to make this happen. And next thing you know, you know, um, I started an internet business which I had no idea like that I was going to be doing. And within a month, we're making a thousand dollars a week. And then a month later, we're making three thousand dollars a week. And, and it was just amazing to see how God brought this to, to pass and, and everything that happened. But it was only for a season. It was only for a time because now all our time goes into, um, well, all our time goes into the kingdom. It goes into studying. It goes into um, walking with people, discipling them, training them. And and just, just recently have I felt the release to go back and, and start an internet store again, but I won't be able to run it, you know. And it's something Daisy and I have been discussing. But when you when you go back and you look at everything that God has for us, it means anything you do, anything that you that you have presented to you, anything that you partake in, that you're a partaker of, that it's going to be blessed. You know, Daisy and I we have this joke where we go to a store; it doesn't matter where it's at. It could be empty. It could be dead. As soon as we get there, like 15, 30 people show up. And it's packed and it's loud all over again. And we're just like, oh, Lord Jesus, like, 
we, when we came here because it was quiet, now, you know, all this prosperity is following us, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so when we look at exactly how God is and how he operates in his kingdom, it makes perfect sense why that happens. Because this is, this is God being true to his nature, he's being true to his kingdom. It multiplies, it, 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 it increases everywhere you're at. He wants you to increase. So what's what's one of the main things that you need to, to take away today is, is understanding kingdom. Understanding that the kingdom of life operates on principles. It operates on the very heart and the very core, the very nature of God. Because I can tell you, people who use the kingdom for personal gain to get things that they want. Now understand, God does answer the desires of your heart. And that naturally happens in the kingdom of life. But when you're trying to use the kingdom to get what you want, God's not going to be mocked. He sees what's going on. If you're trying to build your own empire, your own ministry, and, and make things happen and, and everything else, and you're not trusting in him, you're just trying to use the kingdom to establish or, or get your own means to, to your own end, that's what the kingdom of darkness operates like. God's not going to be mocked. In the end, he knows exactly what's happening. And so when we actually begin to, to realize his love, he sees it. But he gives us so much grace. He gives us so much, um, so many opportunities to change our mind, our thinking, and turn from it. And it's, it's so key when we see it from this perspective because we realize, you know, even if we pray, if we go to pray for somebody, even if we go to pray for ourselves, Okay, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Whenever we pray for ourselves and we pray out of love, you'll be healed 100% of the time. They will be healed 100% of the time. How do I know this? This is 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. God is love. God never fails. You see this? So whenever we we operate out of sympathy and emotions and everything else, we're trusting ourselves. We're trusting in our own ability and, and different things. But when we actually put that aside and say, God, yeah, even if I may cry because of the situation, my my tears are not in my own ability. My my I might feel bad in the situation, but my my focus, my my source is God. I look to Him. Our 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 sufficiency comes from God. Our sufficiency sufficiency is in God and in Christ alone. And so when you see this, this is completely Christ-centered. This completely revolves around his nature because it says, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, then you're none of his. That's what it says in Romans 8. Go back and read it. And as we realize and we awaken to the realities that we are in the kingdom of light, we begin to manifest the sons of God in a dark world, destroying the works of the devil everywhere we go, all the time, because it's who we are. It's naturally who we are because of his nature. And naturally, apart from his nature, we're just like the world again. So we need to stay plugged in because he abides in us and we abide in him. The more we abide in him, we can't help but fulfill his commandments to go to all the world and preach the good news, setting liberty 
the captives, healing the brokenhearted. Right? You see all this. It all comes together. It all makes sense because we begin to realize everything flows out of his nature. It's not out of our own ability. It's out of him. That's why Paul goes, you know, I counted all his dung. And he had an impressive resume for the world. It was counted all his dung that might come to know Christ. And you have to get to the point where you decide, I'm, I just want to know Christ. He's going to be my center. He's going to be my core. I'm going to walk this out. But he is my center. I'm not focused on things around me or situations that are going on. I'm focused completely on him, who he is, his nature, his character. And you begin to see everything else starts to pan out. Everything else starts to fall into place because you're perfectly in his will and from his will. You can operate and do so much more because your mind isn't beating you down with chaos and worry. And, and every time you go to worry, every time you go towards fear, your, your mind freaks out. Your brain freaks out. It starts releasing all these chemicals, thousands of chemicals at once. Instead of firing simultaneously like they're supposed to, it starts releasing all these things. And then pretty soon you can't think. Pretty soon you're in depression. Soon you're crying. You're, you're in despair. And you end up in depression because it's it's a cycle. But when you trust in God, when you put your hope in God, when you put your expectation in Him, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get this out of my vocabulary. When you put your expectation in Him, then it changes everything because you're like, I'm at peace because I know my God is a good God, and I've and I've done everything that I can do, that I know to do, that is right. Therefore, I stand. And when you stand, it's talking about, it's not talking about putting up with the devil's junk and his mess and everything else. Because you're standing saying, God, I believe you above everything else. And this is what put people in the, the, the faith chapter, the trust chapter, Hebrews 11. Go back and read what it says about each and every one of them. They trusted God. Even Abraham, he, he hoped against hope. He had an expectation against the expected. It's what it literally says. So you see the mindset, the frame of mind that it attributed. Abraham is known as the father of our trust. He was the first one to trust. Right? So he's the father of our trust in God. He laid an example, a model. And then when Jesus came, he's like, this is what it's like to operate in trust and live in trust 24-7, seven days a week for the rest of your life because it's eternal. It's not, well, I'm going to do it only while I'm here on the earth. No, 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 it's eternal. You trust in his nature. You trust in who he is. You trust in, in, in the very character and the actions and everything. So when you put on Christ, you're putting on, you're adopting his thoughts, his will, his emotion, his actions, as if they're your own. That's what it means when it says put on Christ, Galatians 3.27. So, so when you understand that, that concept, that idea, then it's no longer you acting the way you act. Because your nature is dead. You passed away. 
but it's the very nature of God that comes in and starts filling out your body that you grow up and you immature into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Then pretty soon you can't help. Oh, there's there's somebody who needs some healing. Oh, there's somebody who needs who has a need. Let me go bless them. Let me go let me go sell into their life. Maybe they just need a, a ear to hear. Maybe they need uh, to vent a bit. Maybe that's all it takes for, for them to know that they're loved. And then you can introduce them to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus is your center. You don't need all this exterior stuff to make you whole. He makes you whole. And from that place of wholeness, you operate into everything else because your core, your center, your, 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 your value, the essence of who you are is Christ Jesus, his nature, and everything flows from that. And it's absolutely amazing. Because it's not determined by how somebody treats you or, or what somebody says or what they don't say. It's completely out of his love that you operate and you see everything else around you. Out of his nature, you see everything else around you. And you can't help but do what is right 100% of the time because it's who you are now. And this is what sets us apart from the world. That's why it says we're supposed to be known by our love for one another. Because it should be completely unconditional. But we want to put conditions. The world wants to put conditions. And we just need to, to just let go and, and start trusting God. Hey, some people today, they might offend you. They might get you upset. Don't let it linger. Kill it. Because then you're giving it power over the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. Because your thoughts go in that direction. Then there's unforgiveness and there's bitterness and then, and then there's envy and, and different things that start sprouting. And it's like, no, no, that's not the kingdom of light. That's the kingdom of darkness. Keep the darkness in the darkness. Keep the light in the light. You're here. You don't abide in the kingdom of darkness anymore. You're here, stay here, operate, walk with God, talk with him, live in perpetual fellowship with him, perpetual growth with him. And when you come out, what do you look like? You're just shining. You're shining because the light, the, the radiance, the glory of God is on you because you've been in his presence and you never left his presence. Even when you're walking around, ministering to people, you're doing it out of the intimacy and the presence of God who abides in you because we are the temple of his Holy Spirit, and we can never leave his presence. Do you see this? This is why this is good news. We can't es escape his kingdom of light. Why would you want to? But we get to operate and walk in his kingdom of light Everywhere we are, that's why we can be his ambassador to a dark world and operate from his kingdom in the, the kingdom of darkness because we've never left his kingdom because we abide in his kingdom through Jesus Christ. We're connected to the vine. We're connected to the tree, right? We are the branches, and we're able to flow in everything and operate out of the economy and out of the love and out of the trust and out of the protection and everything in the kingdom of light, even though we're here in the darkness. Why do you think Jesus could walk through a crowd 
completely unscathed when they were trying to throw him off a cliff. They were trying to bite on him. They were so upset with him. Now, I know it's an idiom, but when you, when you look at how upset they must have been that they wanted to gnash on him with their teeth, that's pretty upset. I've never been that upset to try to bite somebody. Right? Come here. No. So when you look at this, it's, it's understanding the kingdom of God who, who lives in you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And it's something you constantly have to do and remind yourself of, of is, I surrender. Today I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender, I surrender my actions. I surrender my heart. I surrender everything. I surrender my family. You are Lord. You're Lord every day. But say it because you actually believe it and you mean it, not because it's the right thing you're supposed to say. There's a difference. You have to mix the word of God with trust or else it won't profit you anything. You know? So let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to call Brother Todd over so he can jump on with me. And, and so if you've got any questions, um, we'll give you the, the opportunity to ask some questions and, and then we'll do a short announcements and we'll close up. Okay. All right, now we got Brother Todd. Okay, so we got any questions? Go ahead and uh, um, post them up, and we'll see what we got. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Uh, looks like Josh is asking, "What are your views? Your views on the importance of speaking in tongues, and is it possible to pray in the spirit without opening your mouth?" Brother Todd, you want to take the? Since I took all the questions last time, I'll give you first <laughs> <laughs> first dibs on this one. <laughs> well, tongues is is important as it as are all the gifts that the spirit gives us and uh it allows us your it's one of those things where you can pray god's will always and uh, you don't have to necessarily know anything although with the mind of christ we can know all things uh so in this case it'll um it's one of the ways that jude tells us that we can edify ourselves and build ourselves up in the most holy faith so it's important in that regards uh, tongues can also be used with the interpretation for prophecy uh, so uh, even if you're praying for somebody and you're just holding somebody's hand is praying with tongues you know ask god for the interpretation of what you're saying right you can do this even at home because then you're practicing interpreting the tongues and to answer your question josh can you do that without opening your mouth Absolutely, you can do that without um, opening your mouth. A uh, good exercise to do would be open up passage of scripture, any passage of scripture, and you can uh, first read it out loud in your native tongue, in my case, it'd be English, uh, then read it uh, praying in tongues out loud, and then switch from there, read the same passage, 
reading reading it in English, but praying in your spirit and the inside. And what that allows you to do, because you've already prayed in tongues as you read it through once, is you, um, I want to add to that. When you read the scripture, praying in tongues out loud, pay attention to how that feels, how that flow comes out, so that when you practice reading the scripture uh, using your mouth, um, you're praying in English, but now praying in tongues on the inside, you, you can feel it and you know that your spirit man is actually praying. So yes, you can be praying on the inside. And uh, just as like I'm talking right now, I can be praying in tongues right, right now and keeping that line of communication open with God as, as we're talking. Yep. And uh, I completely agree. And there is an importance on the Holy Spirit uh, speaking in tongues that, but it's, at times, you know, something that uh, Brother Todd and I, we've had many discussions on, is because a lot of people, they over-focus on speaking in tongues. And so if we can look at, you know, I'm not going to, but it'd be very easy to pull up videos on YouTube, right? And, and you can see where they're getting people to mimic what they're saying in tongues. And then they say, well, they're speaking in tongues. And it doesn't edify them. It doesn't help build them up. But just getting at the heart of the thing, if, if you want to speak in tongues in the kingdom, it's so easy. All you have to do is say, God, I want to speak in tongues. Right? And you know that he hears you, and then he will give you the desire of your heart. You will begin to speak in tongues. So it's not um, something as, as uh, formal or, or, oh, it means you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. It's just a great tool. You know, it's something that, that helps with communication with God and building yourself up. Um, but if we, a lot of people put a heavy importance on speaking in tongues because of Acts 2. But if we actually go back to Acts 2 and read it in its context, it's actually talking about prophecy. So they were, were they speaking in other languages? Yes, they were. And they were hearing them in their own language, but they were prophesying. How do we know that? Because Peter gets up and he quotes Joel. Chapter two, this is the day, you know, that was referred to by the prophet, right? That the spirit will be poured out on all flesh and your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. So they're prophesying mysteries over the people um, at, on the day of Pentecost. So we would focus on the tongues instead of seeing the actual context of what it's even talking about there. And so, because we can find, you know, a lot of people speaking in false tongues, teaching how to pray in false tongues. Um, there's there's witchcraft tongues. I mean, you think the demonic doesn't have tongues? They have tongues. Mm -hmm. You know, I can tell you stories. <laughs> so it's that it's important that we understand that it, it is the things that we've give, been given by the, the Holy Spirit are great tools to make us more effective for the kingdom. Right? Would you agree with that, Tom? Yes, absolutely. All right. So go ahead and go to the next question. All right, we got um, Matthias. How to study God's nature? All right, so I can tell you how I stumbled into this because it wasn't something I was actually looking at or looking for. Um, I actually um, went back to the drawing board and started talking to God about why I wasn't seeing 100% instantly healed or just seeing 100% healed. Because sometimes um, when we first started our, our trip walking this out, we were in Bolivia. 
And we left Bolivia, La Paz, the city of La Paz. Um, and there was three people that we didn't see healed while we were there. Right, so you understand what I'm saying. We didn't see him healed when we prayed for him, but the pastor did his due diligence, pastor, um, and Daisy's telling me not to use his name. The, but he contacted us a week later, and he, like he told us, he's like, they're completely healed. So we didn't back off of our trust in God that they were healed, right? Um, so going back to your question, sorry, that was kind of a bunny trail that I was studying, you know, I was looking at a lake and I was looking at F. Bosworth and E.W. Kinney and I started going back to who, who actually trained these guys. And I realized that a lot of them were heavily, heavily influenced or partially influenced by John Alexander Dow. And so as I was going through that and even looking at Teal Osborne and what he was teaching, what he learned from F. F. Bosworth, I realized they were all talking about the nature of God without without specifically talking about of identifying it as his nature, right? So what ended up happening is I started doing a study on his very nature. And so it's, it's something that our next webinar is going to be on. Um, we're planning two more webinars, one strictly on his nature, where we go through the redemptive names of God. So you look at his name, and from his name, you can go through scripture and you begin, you begin to identify his his nature, who he is, and why he says who he is to us, you know, um, because he he tells us this is who I am. I am protector. I am healer. I am, you know, provider. And so that's basically how I got started. You got anything to add, Todd? And I was just going to add on there, and uh, you can. I, first of all, I totally agree with everything that Anthony said. And uh, another thing, look at the Gospels. Uh, look at the life of Jesus. Um, he's Anthony shared the verse earlier. You know Hebrews. He's the exact representation. He's the icon, literally in the Greek, of the image of the Father. And so, look at what he did. Look at what he taught. Even a lot of the parables that he did, where he used, say, an unjust judge or whatever else, he used that in contrast to the actual nature of his Father. And so, a lot of his teachings were were that. And then you can go back. This is this is one of the advantages that we have as Christians. We have the New Testament, and because we have the New Testament, we have really a commentary on the Old Testament. And so learn that, study that, get to know the nature of your God. Then when you go back through the Old Testament, you can view it through that lens. You know, because there's so many wrong things that people have about God, like um, putting on, Anthony actually addressed this last week. Um, if you don't uh, follow these commands, I will put on you, you know, all these sicknesses and disease, that's not actually what it says. And so if we look at God's nature, we can actually look um, and interpret things properly through who he, who he really is. Yep. yep. So next question is, um, what are some of the tips you have for effective mind renewal? Okay. So one of the things I would tell you for effective mind renewal is you read the Word of God. Okay, it's very simple. You read the Word of God, you do the Word of God, and that's how you renew your mind. Okay? Because nowhere does it say repeat, 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 repeat. In fact, we find out that's how the Gentiles learn things. And Jesus draws that contrast. Mm -hmm. Right? So when you hear his word, you're obedient to his word, 
that's what actually renews your mind. Because if you think about it, when you get hired onto a new job, you go in, what do you do? They tell you how to do it, and then you do it. Right? And they might have to tell you again a couple of times, but then it becomes that you know exactly how you do it. You renewed your mind to the processes in the understanding of why you do things the way you do them, or, or you, you find better ways to improve upon it, right? So mind renewal is, is very simply um, just believing the word of God and acting upon it. And that's how you truly renew your mind. Yeah, and I would just throw in a lot of, a lot of mind renewal techniques that are out there. Um, you could actually go into the self-help section of any bookstore and use the exact same stuff. And uh, because they, you know, they use Romans 12 to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by their renewing of their mind. And all they're doing when they're using those, a lot of those methods of constant declaration and confession is they're really trying to renew the old man. Um, the key to mind renewal is verse one of Romans 12, where it says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what we need to first do is choose to be all in and from, and it's from doing that, that we're not conformed to this world. So it's not, we're not trying. We just made a already a once for all choice of crossing that line. We're in, and then we can actually be in that place where our minds get renewed and uh, we can prove God's good and perfect will. Good. Great point. Okay, next one. What's the difference between memorizing scripture and staying focused on scripture? Yeah. So it's um we're on what is the difference between memorizing scripture and staying focused on scripture? Um one is you can for instance if you decided to, to go through Proverbs each day of the month, right? So on, on let's say, what's today? <laughs> August 5th, right? We would go to Proverbs 5. And we can read through Proverbs 5, and, and you're more than likely, you're probably not going to memorize Proverbs 5 the first time you read it, unless you've got a brilliant mind, right? You know how, there's ways to do it. There's no tricks to do it. But... If throughout your day, you're allowing God and his spirit to remind you of things that you were meditating on that morning, meaning that you're reading scripture, you were chewing on it, saying, okay, God, what does this mean? I don't understand this part. How does this apply to my life? You know, these different questions, then he begins talking to you about them, right? He'll start um, bringing revelation to his word because he loves talking about his word because he holds his word even above his name. Right. And so as you do that, then, you know, um, you're focusing on on scripture. While the other one is if you systematically sit down and read scripture and commit it to memory. Right. You can you keep committing it to memory, then you're just memorizing scripture. So that's mainly the, the two differences that, you know, that I see. Uh, Brother Todd. Yeah, mem anybody can memorize anything. I mean, you turn on uh, the game show Jeopardy, right? They have Bible categories on there, and a uh, number of the people don't even know God, you know, so they learn, they study. Um, if you're looking at, a, say, a movie or a play, people had to memorize lines, but it doesn't mean that they become those lines. And, uh, you know, 
staying focused, I would say, comes in uh, meditation really comes in. And so you can memorize a passage, but staying your mind, keeping your mind on that passage and uh, really dialoguing with God about it um, will help keep you focused on it. You know, and just a quick comment on there, worry is a form of meditation as well. We're just not meditating on the right thing. But we keep our minds on. And so if we memorize scripture and we um, keep our minds on it and say, all right, God, I've memorized it and I'm going to keep, I want you to speak to me about it. That's one thing as opposed to um, just reading it and committing it to memory um, and think, all right, my mind's renewed because I memorized it. And that's, um, that's just a works thing and, and uh, actually can lead us into pride and uh, false, um, false comfort, I guess I would say, in that uh, we're actually more spiritual than what we really are. Yeah, that's a great point. Great point. Another point about the, the, the worry. Okay. So I think this question's for you, <laughs> Todd. <laughs> it says June 120. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, how would you apply that? What aspects is there to build yourself up in, in the faith by doing some, some things like speaking in tongues or confessing scripture? As I understood, everything is provided and everything is one, and there is no fight. We just have to trust. We should not try to work us into a condition to make it work because the we are not trusting but focused on ourselves please explain that a little bit well first thought comes to mind is in first john where it says we overcome by our faith right and so we need to keep our faith up and even when the israelites were going into the promised land right they entered into the rest but there was still a battle that they had to fight and god promised that every place they set their feet that he would give them that ground but they still had to fight to take it you know and even to the place where they didn't even have any soldiers hurt um, or die during those battles because god had promised it and so um you know, ephesians 5 tells us to not be drunk with wine but be filled and literally the greek verbiage there means to be constantly filled with the holy spirit which also suggests that we can also not be constantly filled with the holy spirit and then it goes on until he doesn't just say do that he tells us how speaking to yourselves in psalms hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your hearts unto the lord giving thanks for all things unto our god and father in the name of our lord jesus christ and so and actually the you there is you know speaking to yourselves is plural and this is one of the um, things that they did constantly in the early church was they were meeting together and talking about these things constantly this is why it's important to be in community that you get so much into our heads we need to get uh, like-minded believers we need to be talking about things we need to stay stirred up we need to stay built up and actually um in w when you're around like-minded believers and they start talking you, you feel a stirring in you and it and it really helps you get excited about it there's a joy about it and you don't feel like it's just in your own head you're not feeling like it's a striving anymore so yeah praying in tongues is one read the word constantly get in fellowship with other uh, with like-minded believers and constantly talk about these things if you don't have like-minded believers start preaching it yourself and recording it and playing it back to yourself so that you hear what you're saying and you go hey um wow that was really good or that was really Boy, that was dumb. I think I'm going to re-record this, you know, or whatever it might be. But uh, these are what some ideas, you know. And I'm sure Brother Anthony has some more. 
Yeah, as I was reading your question, what really stood out to me the most was basically that it's you have to understand you're you're doing it from a place of victory. So it's not like you're trying to accomplish something um, that's exterior from from Christ. It's that you're 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 reaffirming, um, you're acknowledging what Christ has already done, and as you focus on those things, everything else kind of falls off, kind of falls away. So like what um, Brother Todd is sharing, where you build yourself up, is by putting your mind constantly on God and what His Word says, and in helping encourage each other and stirring each other up from that place, not as in, okay, I need to get myself psyched up to accomplish this thing. There's a difference. One's a mindset of, oh, I have to do this, this, and this before this can happen. It's like, no, no, no. It's just simply trusting in the very nature of God, the heart of God, mm -hmm. right? And so, oh, is there an echo? Is it real bad, everybody? Yes, no? It's okay. So, it's, yeah, you can. Maybe it's your, your mic right now, Todd. <laughs> okay, so I'll mute you again here in a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, like, it, it's very important that we, we see from from the true aspect that we have the wholeness in God, and as we build we build each other up or we build ourselves up, it's it's grow. We still grow up, right? And it's something that I'm going to go back and look at is the actual verbiage. Um, in, in Greek, because as we grow up, we we grow up into things we set our minds on or, or, or into or, or our focuses. And so it's very important that we focus on Christ Jesus. We focus on, on him, and that's how we, we stir up. That's how we, we get excited. I get pumped, you know, the more I think about God and his nature and his kingdom. And it's not that I have to do that before I see somebody healed. It doesn't say that. It's not even what it's talking about. Right, but it, it reaffirms within yourself, you know, even in for uh, Jude one twenty, it reaffirms in yourself about His kingdom, right? It, it refers in yourself about Him in the faith that we walk in, right? So the trust in God that we walk in, um, I guess is a better way to say. It. Okay. All right. So next question is, what is your take on Acts 12, 20 to 23, where Herod is struck by an angel of the Lord and is eaten by worms? I've come to a good understanding on other verses, often used against healing in the New Testament, uh, but not this one. Okay. Um, you can scroll. You need to unmute, uh, Todd. There you go. Now you can hear me. <laughs> Um, well, I'd like kind of more clarification on this. I've come to a good understanding of other verses often used against healing. Personally, I haven't heard this one used against healing, so I'm not exactly sure what the question is referring to. Um, basically, they're, they're accusing God of killing Herod because oh. it says um, Herod. So I'm actually very familiar with the passage. Um, 
it might be getting feedback because you keep moving the camera instead of the laptop this way. Um, it's basically, if we actually go back and we look at what Josephus says, who is a, a theologian, one of the earliest theologians of that day, and it wasn't right away. So a lot of people think, okay, well, he smoked Herod and Herod died instantly. The word used for smoke is exactly this exact same word used for the angel smoke Peter to wake him up from jail. Right? So if that was a killing blow, then it would have killed Peter as well. And it says that he, he actually contracted something with, with worms. And so Josephus, the historian, says that um, Herod got a bad omen. He saw an owl or something. They were very superstitious back in that day. And he ended up being eaten by worms over a period of over 100 days. So you can see in, in Acts, it's just a, a one, like. Um, That's our phone. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 so, so you can see that that um yeah you can tell this is very live guys. Uh, <laughs> you can see that um it wasn't the smoting of the angel that killed Harry. Um because then we would have to say that it would also have killed Peter. And so it's it's actually going back and, and doing some research into history and you'll find exactly what I'm telling you. So yeah, with um, I mean, just with that, the um, this, this is one of the things that you know Anthony and I don't necessarily agree on 100%. But uh, uh, this is the same word there for smotes used when Peter smote off the ear of uh, Matthias, so um, it, or whatever the guy's name is, and so it shows that that word can be used for a violent type of act. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that the angel was directly sent by God to smote Herod. Um, we know that that touch did something. Um, what did that touch do? You know, we know the words came, came on him. Um, Herod stood up and acknowledged him, basically acknowledged himself as God. Um, did God take his hand of protection off of him? Is that what the touch did? You know, the, the it doesn't say. And so if we try to make um, a doctrine around, we'll see God afflicted him with sickness, then we're just trying to read into the scripture and, uh, rather than looking at God's character and nature and see that his overall will is to heal. Yeah, and it's not that we don't necessarily agree. I forgot that Todd had brought that up last time we talked. So, <laughs> so thank you for reminding me, Todd. All right, next question is, what are some ways you practice the presence of God abiding in and focusing on him? And we kind of answered that earlier with the question regarding Jude. Um, and I think we can take and combine a couple answers that uh, um, with what we talked about with Jude.